Good morning, Chair City Church. Glad you joined us this morning. We are in a series called Spirit of Summer. And from the very beginning, our first summer, 2012, at Chair City Church, we decided to approach the summer months with a vision and a vigor to sow in the summer that we would reap a harvest in the fall. And we would tend to do that, meaning we'd be very active in the summer and we, we would see results from that activity in the fall. Now, we would be active with our faith in the community, going out and helping organizations, serving them. And we would also frequently come together as a church community. So rather than practice the kind of typical Christian spiritual slump in the summer, we made it a point to grow spiritually strong in the summer. I am hoping that coming together online, I'm hoping that coming together under a, under a tent in the outdoors, that this will bring us together, that we will grow stronger this summer and that we will be prepared for the harvest that God has for us in the fall. Let this fall be like the other falls and that we will grow in every measurable way and we'll advance the kingdom of God. I know a lot of people are making an incredible effort to see this happen. In the, since the summer has kicked in, your serving has increased significantly. Your giving has increased and you're being generous. And I'm so grateful and thankful for both of those. It's very encouraging to your pastor. Now, last week we talked about hearing God's voice. How do you hear from God? Now, I'm not talking about the booming, thundering voice coming out of heaven. We're talking about God speaking to us in the here and now, in the day-to-day -day, you know, elements of our life, in practical ways, prompting us and guiding us. This happens through God, the Holy Spirit, working in our lives. The Holy Spirit is God speaking to us. Now, often, not always, but often, when we mention the Holy Spirit, things can get somewhat vague, uh, rather subjective at times with certain people. I, I think many people. It can get simply downright weird when you bring up the subject or talking about the Holy Spirit. Not that the Holy Spirit is weird, but those who are talking about the Holy Spirit can somewhat look and act a bit weird, just a bit. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit is a person. More than a force, it's not an it, a thing. It's not like a secondary or additional, you know, extension of, of God. The Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is in you. The Bible says that you're, you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And we have access to the Holy Spirit. It's one of the most extraordinary parts of coming to faith in Jesus Christ, of believing in Jesus. They have access to the 
Holy Spirit. And God speaks to us, as I've said, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides, comforts, and empowers. And there's something else the Holy Spirit does. And it's what I want to focus on today with you. You see, the Holy Spirit injects into our hearts and minds conviction, convictions. John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus says, And when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The Holy Spirit brings us from unholy to holy. The Holy Spirit not only convicts us of sin, but of God's will, of God's plan, of what we should start and stop. The Holy Spirit brings conviction into our life to move us from one place to another and that other places where God would have us be. A few days ago, my son Jason was playing baseball, and yeah, it was good to get out there and see the kids tossing the ball around. It just was refreshing and fun. A lot of people coming out to watch these games more than usual. That's about, this was Thursday, so it's 93 degrees outside. Sun is beating down. I know Jason had carried along five bottles of water for the day, and that's because he was going to be the starting pitcher. Uh, and, and Parker, who also attends the church here, was the starting catcher. That's pretty cool. Now, so Jason takes the mound first inning, and it was a bit of a long inning, and that was due to a couple of bloopers in the field. The other team scored two runs, but he got out of it, came out in the second inning, you know, shut him down, no runs. And then he gets up to bat, and, and, and by the time he gets up to bat now, he has, he has devoured those five <laughs> bottles of water. Gets up to bat, cracks a nice shot into the outfield, sprints down to first base, rounds first base, slides into second base. He's safe. He's got a double. He goes to get up, and, and you could see he's sort of wobbly. He actually turns around, steps back, and bends over. The umpire comes over, looks at him, asks him if he's okay. The inning finishes up. I think he might have came around and scored. But the inning finishes up. He comes to the dugout, and he doesn't go back out to the mound to pitch. They take him out of the game. He comes around to the back of the dugout, bends over, kind of throws himself or falls onto the floor, stretches out. He's in, he's in pain. He's fatigued. He's just entirely, he, he has no energy. He's just simply drained. I eventually asked Jason what he had to eat leading up to the game. He said, well, I had some ice cream. He said, oh. I said, well, what did you have for, for lunch? He said, I don't remember, which means he probably had ice cream also for lunch. The bottom line is Jason didn't have the right fuel for the moment. I mean, a pint of ice cream and plain old water isn't enough to get you through when you're pitching in 93-degree heat. The question I have for you today is this. What is fueling your life? Many people are frustrated with everything that's going on. They're sort of coming to the end. Things are all over the place. Some are saying they're just stuck. They have no momentum. They, they're out of their rhythm. They can't find their routine. Some are saying, I'm just standing still. Some are sliding backwards. And maybe that's because you don't have the right fuel. I want you to know God is with you. He loves you. I want you to go deeper with God this summer. This is an opportunity for all of us. 
let's go deeper. The Apostle Paul lived an extraordinary life, and it began apart from knowing Jesus. And not only did he not know Jesus, but he despised the name of Jesus. He would pursue, beat, imprison, and kill those who professed belief in Jesus. And then he met Jesus in a radical way, and it changed his life. He now lived a life that was driven by a purpose. Apart from Jesus, the Apostle Paul could be the most influential person who's ever walked the face of the earth. And he writes in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, he says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press, press on to take a hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. And when you read this, verse 12, you can feel Paul's drive, his passion. He's pointed to God. He's not turning back. He's not looking back. Verse 13, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul had a goal in mind. Paul had a purpose in mind. Paul was fueled. It wasn't just that he was super focused. It wasn't that he had strong feelings or emotions. He was filled with the right convictions, with godly convictions. You and I can live by and off that same fuel. Our lives can be driven by this same fuel. Not that we would have fuel that would be similar to ice cream and water in 93 degree heat while we're pitching in a game, but we want the right fuel. As followers of Jesus, we want our lives to be fueled by conviction. That's a heavy word, conviction. Just makes you pause. There aren't many words that make us pause anymore. We sort of overuse and overstate words like love and hate and awesome, and, and we are overexpressive of things, but, you know, the emojis with a bunch of kisses, 100% signs. But this word conviction, I think it still carries some weight. You know when you're around someone that who lives by conviction, whose life is fueled by conviction. It, it makes you step back. You might even say, whoa, they're like crazy. They're crazy about what they believe in. They're crazy intentional about doing what they think is truth and standing for it. Conviction comes. I want you to, I want you to hear sort of a working definition of conviction here. Conviction comes from seeing something others don't see and develop, developing a belief in that which is so strong that you would die for it. You see something. God shows you something. And, and, and you believe it to be so true, truth, to the extent that you would give your life for it. You see, these are the convictions that fuel your life. Fuel your life in a way where you'll meet the demands and the challenges of the moment, where you'll overcome the most difficult circumstances, where you'll grow spiritually in the midst of everything. Hebrews chapter 11 is referred to as the great chapter of faith. Some people call it the faith hall of fame, if you will. 
And we talk about faith. Sometimes we'll use that word to describe somebody who goes to church or somebody who believes there's a God. But that really is a, is a minimal way to apply the word faith. Faith is so much more than that. And Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that. In the English Standard Version, Hebrews 11.1 1 reads, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Conviction of things not seen. Those are powerful words. In the original Greek language, which these words were written in, that the Greek word there for faith is pistos. It means conviction of the truth. A truth that we believe in so strong that we would die for it. And that's what was happening in the lives of those written about in Hebrews chapter 11. God had convictions for them. God has convictions for you. God, the Holy Spirit, places convictions in our hearts and minds, and it's a fuel available for everyone here today. Read chapter 11, and it's filled with men and women who lived their lives fueled by convictions. Noah built the ark. No one had ever heard of any rain that he was speaking of. Rahab risked her life to help Jewish spies. Abraham and Sarah were homeless and wandered in the desert because of a promise that God had given them. They had convictions. Moses was a murderer hiding out in the desert. Next thing you know, he's standing before Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler in the world, and he's saying, let my people go. The he was fueled by what? Convictions. The Holy Spirit is God speaking to you, calling you, guiding you, empowering you through convictions. Noah saw what no one else could see. Abraham and Sarah reached for the stars and saw the impossible. Moses came out from hiding and commanded nature. All of this from a deep conviction that fueled their lives. They saw what others didn't see. They did what others didn't do. They deeply believed in what God was showing them. And they were willing to give their lives for those beliefs. Many people have come to admire and how they go about their life, and how they live out this thing we call Christianity, I've come to realize that a lot of that is fueled by convictions. Convictions don't always cooperate with culture. Convictions don't line up with what's common or popular. But convictions are a conduit for the Holy Spirit to work miracles and wonders in our lives. This country was founded by Men and women with great convictions. This country was forwarded by men and women with great convictions. One of those, Martin Luther King Jr., who he, he, and he expressed his conviction by saying, I have a dream that, all, that people of all color and races will be treated equally. I have seen this America. He saw it. He's saying, I see it. You might not see it, but I see it. And I believe it will be. I believe it is God's will, and I believe in it so deeply that I will give my life for it. That's how deep my convictions is for this, and he did give his life for it. Some people look at the greater garden area, and they, don't, they might not see a lot of great things, nothing worth giving their life for. But Christy and I, almost 10 years ago, we looked at it. God put a conviction in our heart, and we saw 
Gardner through that conviction. And we saw something to believe in, that there would be a life-giving, life-changing, God-glorifying church. And we believed that was truth, and we gave our life to it. We dedicated our lives to it. And over time, others came alongside of us, and they shared our conviction, and they gave their lives to it as well. And, and that dream became a reality. And then a time came for the opportunity to purchase a building. God put on our hearts, convicted us to begin to move out of the cinema, which we had grown very fond of. It was sort of what we were known for. And, and, and then came this building dropped into our laps. And, and when we looked at it, it was an enormous um, challenge to renovate, to purchase, to renovate. We knew it was going to be a large task to take on. And yet we had a conviction. We deeply believed that God had brought us this opportunity. And so from that conviction and from that belief in that conviction, we moved forward and we've seen great things happen. But believing in that conviction and then giving our lives to it, dedicating time and money, us and others, we saw the renovation come to fruition. And, now, and we have today what is our building. And then we come to 2020, the COVID-19 crisis, and we're suspended, restricted from coming together to meet in our building for 18 long weeks. It just, and then the time comes when we get a green light, sort of, to go back into our building, to re-enter, and we make the decision to do so. And it's rather exciting, and we're, we're looking forward to coming in. And then something happens. It just it doesn't seem right to me, your pastor. And, and something is stopping me from moving forward, from going back in. And something is stirring me to go in another direction. And I'm not really sure what's going on. I'm really unsettled, and something is fueling me. And I recognize after a couple of days that that something is a deep conviction that God the Holy Spirit is placing in me. And I, then I come to believe deeply in that conviction. And I, then I begin to put myself, give of myself to that conviction. You see, convictions will stop you and they will stir you. Some of you need to be stopped and some of you need to be stirred. The truth is, most of us, perhaps all of us, could use some stopping and some stirring by God the Holy Spirit, yes? What is fueling your life? Let it be God-centered convictions. Right now, may God Holy Spirit Stop something in your life that needs to be stopped. In the name of Jesus, that God, Holy Spirit, would begin to stir some things in your life that need to be stirred. And that would start some things in your life that need to be started. If you pause and you would acknowledge that God is convicting you, perhaps even now, to stop that. It is not of God. It is bringing harm confusion, sadness, sorrow, perhaps even destruction to your life, to your relationship, to your future. In the name of Jesus, stop it 
Believe in that conviction. Trust in that conviction. Give of all that you are to that conviction and be fueled by that conviction to stop. And then be stirred by a conviction right now. God is placing a conviction in you. He's stirring you up. You can just sense his power rising up in you to step out and to start. Start serving, start giving, start trusting, start giving more of yourself to the one true God and believe in that conviction deeply and give of yourself to it and see God glorify himself in your life. See God, the Holy Spirit, work wonders and miracles through you, doing things you never thought you could do and getting to places you never thought you would get to. What is fueling your life? Let it be convictions. Hebrews chapter 11, as I said before, is filled with people of great faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 34, says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in the battle and put whole armies to flight. So you see here in Hebrews chapter 11, a lot of extraordinary, I'm sorry, a lot of ordinary people doing extraordinary things for God and his kingdom. God had convictions for them. God has convictions for all of us. So how do you gain these convictions? Or how do you come to know such convictions? We see a couple of things in those powerful people in Hebrews chapter 11. A couple of things that they possessed. First, they were on the lookout for God's plans. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds on things above. Conviction comes by seeing things from God's perspective. You're on the lookout for God's plan. You're looking out for God and what he's doing. By realizing that you want God's plan for your life. You know, and now when I say this, sometimes we might have certain desires, certain things we want to do. And we're like, well, well I hope this is God's will. Or I hope this is God's plan. I want to do this and I, and I hope this will happen. And I want to go in this direction. But I would, I would encourage you to think it, it in a greater way. That that God has a master plan. God has a plan. It's his plan, and that you would first and foremost desire to be a part of that plan and give of yourself to that plan, which is to build the kingdom of God here on earth, to see people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you want to say, I'm part of that plan. I'm on the lookout for God's plan, and I'm giving myself and my life to that plan. I have a deep conviction for that plan, like those in Hebrews chapter 11. And when I do that, 
I am developing and nurturing convictions which fuel my life for the glory of God. From this will arise power and guidance and counsel and comfort from the Holy Spirit that it'll enable you to not just come out of the miry pit, but it'll enable, enable you to overcome circumstances, to rise above it all. God is calling you to his plan today. You are a part of God's plan. Trust in God. Discover that part. It will fuel you with great conviction, which will bring you passion and energy for your life. Live out your life. Press on. Move forward, just like the Apostle Paul. So Paul, he gave his life for Jesus' great commission. And Jesus' call to Paul and to us to build the kingdom of God. You see, those in Hebrews chapter 11, they gave their lives to build the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is calling us, calling you, calling me, bringing convictions into our hearts and minds to build the kingdom of God right here on earth. There's so much to complain about. There's so much to be distracted by. There's so many issues to, to address. There's so much darkness. There's so much gloom, so much confusion. And in the middle of all that darkness and all that mess, we get to shine the light of life. Philippians talks about us holding out the word of life as, you, as we shine like a star in the universe in a crooked and depraved generation. And when we do that, we are building the kingdom of God. That's why we're here today. That's why we're online today. That's why we're out there, outdoors today, coming together. We are pressing on. We are straining on. We are fueled by convictions to build the kingdom of God in such a time like this. It's who we are. It's what we do. I promise you, when all is said and done, you know, every politician, every issue, every conflict, every virus, every disease, all of this will take a backseat to the kingdom of God because Jesus Christ is king of kings and he, and he is Lord of lords. Be on the lookout for God's plan. Today, change your life with six short words. God, show me what you see. Show me what you see in my life. Bring conviction. Show, you, show me what you see in my family, my marriage, my relationship. Show me, God. I'm on the lookout for you. Show me what you see in my work. God, show me what you see in my school, college, high school. Just show me, God. I'm looking out for your plan in my life. You, you see, God will show you. And, 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 and he'll do that through conviction. And he will stop what needs to be stopped, and he will start what needs to be started. Just say, God, I want to be a part of your plan. The reason why Chair City Church exists is because many people have asked that question, and they keep asking that question, and they keep living that out. God, show me what you see. And the answer has led them to serve here at Chair City Church, to to, be, to participate, as we say, here at Chair City Church. To pray in a dedicated and continued manner here at Chair City Church. 
So many people are coming together to pray fervently. I'm so grateful for that. Those men and women in Hebrews chapter 11, they saw convictions birthed and sustained and nurtured because they were longing, longing for the kingdom of heaven. It's beautiful. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 15 says, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They saw what others could not see. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. The earth was not, they were not citizens of this earth. Verse 14, obviously, people who, had, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back, but they're going forward. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, you realize that these people of great faith had great convictions. They weren't looking to escape heaven. They were looking forward to heaven. They weren't looking for, ways, for a way out to save themselves from heaven. They wanted heaven. They desired heaven. They were longing for the kingdom of heaven. Longing means to be consumed by Consumed by a belief that there was a place in heaven for them alongside God. They believed that's where they belonged, and they longed to be there. The Apostle Paul, when he says, I press on to take a hold of that which God has taken a hold of me, ultimately he's talking about eternity. He's talking about heaven. Paul was pressing and straining. The word straining there means giving every bit of his being Longing for heaven, longing to build that kingdom of God. And as he longed for heaven, he was building that kingdom of God. And he was always on the lookout for God's plan. This cultivated convictions in Paul, in his soul, in his being. My friends, let's not settle for anything less. Today, this summer, let's go deep. Why would we settle for anything less? Why would we settle for a status or security or, or success in something that is apart from God and knowing God? And maybe, maybe today you're listening to me. And maybe you have settled for less. But today, something in you is stirring you. God, Holy Spirit, has dropped a conviction into your heart. And that conviction is, I want more, not less. And that more is Jesus. I want to know Jesus today. Today, the Holy Spirit is calling you to Jesus. He's telling you that Jesus loves you and he's given his life for you. And he's made a way for you to come to this moment to know him, to hear his voice, and to feel and sense that conviction to live for him, to give your life to him, and that you are being stirred to start something, something new, something in you. Today, will you say yes to Jesus? Will you say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. I now turn away from the way I'm living, and I turn to you, fueled by convictions. I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, the scripture says you've begun a new relationship with Jesus. Now, if you've come to that place, and you're watching on the screen, scroll down at the bottom, and you're going to see a text number, or a link. Click on either one or, or text to 
to that number, and it'll bring you to a form. It's simple. You can fill it out very quickly, and you'll send it to us to let us know that you have begun a new relationship with Jesus. We'll send you out. We'll mail you a package to, to support you and to give you some traction in going forward and pressing on. And maybe you're in here, and you want to be fueled with convictions. I just, I just, right now, we just call out to God. God, we look to you. Show me in my life. Show me in my family. Let me see what you see right now. Pour convictions into my being. Say that with me. Give me the ability, God, to trust in you. To give my life for those convictions. God, help me to see your plan. Help me be on the lookout for your plan, oh God. Help me give of myself from conviction to your plan. And God, I, I want to long for heaven. I want to long for heaven. I want to see that birth convictions in me. I want, I want those convictions to flourish in my life today, oh God. This morning, let's have great faith in God. Let's have a life fueled by convictions. Let's be able to say my life is fueled by convictions imparted into my being by God the Holy Spirit to do great things in my life for the glory of God. I do. I miss you. Praying for you. Can't wait to see more of you. To God be the glory.